You cannot choose what you feel. You can choose how to respond to what you feel. Take courage. Hold on to hope. Let's don't be too afraid of being afraid. Hello, welcome to In Session with Jared and Clay. I'm Dr. Jared Cox, and I'm glad you're here. Just a little bit about our show. We named our show In Session with Jared and Clay because Clay's a therapist and he's been a trusted advisor to me for most of my career. And one day we were talking and I told him that I wished other people could be in our sessions too. Because in our culture today, there's a very narrow construct of what happens during therapy sessions. And I think people are missing out. And it's kind of a problem for our world because we share this place and people are complex. We have all these thoughts and we have these feelings and they're mixed and layered and sometimes we let people see them and sometimes we don't and sometimes we understand them and sometimes we don't and they change sometimes. We still have a lot to learn about each other. We have a lot to learn about ourselves, but the world demands that we connect with them and we do it now. It demands that we be emotionally intelligent now. Certainly for leaders it does. Leaders in 2021 cannot get away without being emotionally intelligent. It's just expected. It's standard. And although as we've been going through the COVID-19 crisis, there's been this big emphasis on leadership and what it is doing right now in our world. This podcast is inspired by Clay's and my desire for all of us to be better connected, better connected to each other, better connected to ourselves, better connected to the world. And it's built upon the idea that conversations can add, not necessarily take away, not necessarily replace, but add perspectives and possibilities to the way we think. And these conversations, which we call sessions, they can change the way we think, even the way we think about thinking. And we hope it does for you too. You know, right now our world is in the middle of COVID-19, and as Clay and I were talking about it in the beginning stages of the virus, I brought up the fact that lots of people were saying, don't be afraid. And I couldn't help but wonder, is that really the message we should be sending? You know, lots of people who were saying that are leaders. Leaders in our country, leaders in our organizations, leaders throughout. I want to play for you an excerpt from that session where Clay and I are talking about this idea, this advice, don't be afraid. Take a listen. So one of the things that I'm hearing in the public is people trying to be encouraging of each other by saying, don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be fine. We're going to move past it. Your faith will lead you through a number of things. They're saying, don't be afraid. How do you respond to that? That's a big response. One of the difficulties we have in this culture, in West, all of Western civilization, and you know, you've heard me say this before, is it's what I refer to as the kind of the false dichotomy, the either-or situations that we try to live our lives in. And it's really fascinating when you couple that with this natural emotion. You know, uncertainty is going to bring a level of fear, and that level of fear is it's appropriate. And it's, and it's okay. When you look beyond that level of fear, I think what we can maybe say is, let's don't be too afraid of being afraid. Let's don't get into a panic situation where all we're doing is trying to get out of the feeling of fear. 
See, that's an inappropriate response to a natural emotion. The uncertainty of the coronavirus, you know, and the spread and the fact that it is fatal in some cases, especially for our elderly population, you know, is in fact something that would make anybody afraid. It's a healthy aspect of fear. You're saying that it's an inappropriate response to try to get away from the fear? Yes, I'm saying it's inappropriate to deny a natural emotion that occurs spontaneously. Yeah, we don't invite this. No, within all of us. These emotions are not choices. And the message that comes down and has for centuries is that you can choose and control what you feel. And that's an inappropriate idea. You cannot choose what you feel. You can choose how to respond to what you feel. You can choose to organize around what you feel. So you telling know, people a, to not be afraid, I mean, that's just not helpful. Well, so I, don't, I haven't found that to be helpful ever. Because it's a feeling. It is a feeling, and then they're trying to deny what they're feeling. And that, what that does is it pushes everybody up into their head, and it crams it all over to one side of your head, into the left hemisphere. Yeah, and it's like if you say, hey— if you're saying, don't be afraid, and I'm sitting here saying, but I am afraid, Correct. you're basically telling me that something's wrong with me. Yeah. And I, I'm, not, I'm not okay. I'm asking you to reject what is actually going on inside of you, and that's unhealthy. Rejecting my own feelings. Yes. Rejecting myself. Yes. And we're doing that all in the name of a quotation, you know, the healthy organization around fear. Don't be afraid. Which is a different statement than be brave, right? Yeah. If we say it's not the same thing to say don't be afraid as it is to say be brave. Much right? much more appropriate to say, you know, take courage, hold on to hope. We can do these things together. Uh, I often say, you know, to people, don't be afraid of being afraid. That that level of fear is appropriate. It's just fine. We can talk about it. In fact, me and you can share it, and you'll find through sharing, an appropriate sharing of the fear, and it, it seems to lessen. It diminishes a little bit. But it's not because we're denying it. It's because we're accepting it, feeling it, and sharing it. Which is relationship building. That's relationship. This may be getting ahead of myself a little bit here, too, but what I just heard you say was... Relationship building can help heal or cope, what's the right word, with fear. Yeah, all of those are, are accurate. And uh, yes, relationship is the healing force for humanity. You've known me a long time, and mm -hmm. you know that my reaction to uh, anything negative, pretty much, any type of, you know, I just put mm -hmm. my head down and go to work. I get right. Very introverted. I get quiet. And for me to not be that way is a big stretch for Jared Cox, right? Mm -hmm. What are you doing when you put your head down, you withdraw, and you go to work? Let's say we're I'm organized. trying to solve it. We're, we're trying to control, I guess. I guess. Uh, around this idea of fear. Actually, what you're doing is you feel the fear, but you don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to process it. You don't know where to go with it. You don't know how to talk about it. So you put your head down, you withdraw into yourself, and you go to work. It's an avoidance mechanism of what you're feeling. 
Now, that particular avoidance mechanism of what you're feeling has social benefits. It has other fringe benefits, maybe monetarily, you know, that come out and are, and are real tricky. In other words, nobody's going to throw you in jail for putting your head down and going to work. There are other avoidance mechanisms for what we feel, you know, that don't work out quite the same way. You know, some are very detrimental to my physical health or my emotional health. Maybe some even involve illegal activities. And the consequences of those avoidance techniques can be quite different. But at the level I'm talking about, they're all avoidance techniques. So you're telling me I'm using avoidance of the fear even though I feel like I'm trying to solve it? Exactly. Totally unaware of that. Yes. Your very best efforts to solve the problem actually are increasing, you know, the situation where that perceived problem will arise. I'm shooting myself in the foot. Yes. I'm glad my wife's not here to hear you say that. One of the beneficial byproducts of the coronavirus is it's, you know, it's at such a level of uncertainty that it is literally forcing people to do what you're talking about. It's forcing people to acknowledge the uncertainty, to rally around. We have to go a day at a time. We don't have all the answers. Let's pull together. And all of that is relationship-type building. And, you know, again, and we're repeating in some sense, but what I would like to see is that when the coronavirus fades away, I hope that those fringe benefits and the byproducts that are beneficial from this process remain. And if that's the case, then we can look back years to come from now and say, wow, what a great benefit we had as a result of this calamity. We need to continue to share. Yes. We need to continue to be responsible too. Yes. We need to be a people that it doesn't take natural calamities or tragedies or disasters or disease or wars to pull us together. But we're Americans. We're Americans. We believe we're the strongest people in the world. We very much believe in standing on our own, self-made success, independence, mm -hmm. autonomous. Right. All of those and, are pathogens. And, and, and pathogens, yeah. viruses. Yes, all of those are viruses. So we're saying maybe, and that goes back to the question I asked you earlier about what would be the analogy to the coronavirus when life goes back to normal. Maybe it's independence. Could be, yeah. Maybe it's the self-made man. Maybe it's arrogance. Or human, yeah. self-made human. Maybe arrogance. That is the virus that we have to be guarded against, if that's yeah. the right word. Yeah. Maybe that's what we need to be testing for. You know, when this biological virus fades away and runs its course, will we be in tune enough with our own humanity to continue testing our arrogance? So in the meantime, while we're dealing with this, you know, present circumstance, take heart, be encouraged, be responsible for yourself and to other people, you know, ride this thing out and be ready to help your neighbor. So far, everything we've been talking about really has been within the context of adults. But right now, parents have a huge role to play. They have a huge responsibility to their kids to try to help them get through this. I don't want my kids to be scared. No one wants their kids to be scared. But what do you say to that? 
You know, a deeper question is, why do we live in a society or a culture that hangs on to an idea like that? Of course, all parents want to give their children, I say all parents, but I'm generalizing, of course, but yeah. all parents want to provide for their children a nice, safe, you know, happy environment. And to a degree, that idea is, is just fine. But the reality that life is going to be that you know, is very much an illusion. So how do we, in an age-appropriate way, introduce our children to the realities of life, you know, and normalize that, make it okay? So so one way to look at this, if you shelter or shield your child from experiencing fear, they will not know what to do with it when they are afraid. They'll almost come at it as if it's something to be avoided or eliminated. And when they find they can't do that, then they'll just deny it. They'll begin to reject it. And all of that becomes problematic later on in life when people begin to reject what they feel. That's one of the reasons that it comes out much later in different manifestations, you know, throughout the body and throughout the you know, mental health and all of those things. So we very much need to find a way in which we can appropriately feel what we feel. I think that's really addressing your question is, you know, how do we talk to our children about anything that's uncertain? How do we talk to our children about anything that causes them fear or, or to be scared? Well, I knew right then that the conversation Clay and I needed to have about how to talk to your kids was going to require another session. And so next time I'm going to play for you an excerpt of the follow-up conversation to the one that we had today, where Clay and I go more in-depth into how we talk to our kids about fear. You know, when Clay and I recorded this episode, I didn't intend to plant so many seeds about future episodes that are to come, but when I go back and listen to the playback, it just makes me excited about where this show can go. I'm just so happy about getting it out there. And I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope that you are excited about where it can go, too. And I hope you know that this show is not about COVID, right? I mean, yes, that's the context we're in. And yes, it's going to be the context we're in for a while. But this show and this episode, they're not about how to deal with COVID. The application is much broader than that. And I hope that we're connecting well with you on that. I'm glad you had your first session with us today. I think this one and the next one will be good foundational sessions to introduce you to our show and, and ones that will let you begin to hear what I believe are very different messages than those that are commonly voiced. I believe they are healthy. I believe they are powerful. And I believe they can help make us all better human beings. Thanks again for listening today. If you liked your session and you want to come back for another one, hit like, subscribe, every other button that's on there. Tell your friends about us. We'd love to have them here too. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And we have a new site called InSessionPodcast.com. Leave us a comment over there. Tell us what you'd like to hear about in future episodes. We'll see if we can get it done for you. So until we see you next time, embrace fear, build courage, and come see us again on In Session with Jared and Clay.